Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Section 20 of The Prince and Betty by P. G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 20. Betty at Large. It was not till Betty found herself many blocks distant from the office of peaceful moments that she checked her headlong flight. She had run down the stairs and out into the street blindly, filled only with that passion for escape which had swept her away from Mervo. Not till she had dived into the human river of Broadway and reached Times Square did she feel secure. Then, with less haste, she walked on to the park and sat down on a bench to think. Inevitably she had placed her own construction on John's sudden appearance in New York, and at the spot where only one person in any way connected with Mervo knew her to be. She did not know that Smith and he were friends, and did not therefore suspect that the former, and not herself, might be the object of his visit. Nor had any word reached her of what had happened at Mervo after her departure. She had taken it for granted that things had continued as she had left them, and the only possible explanation to her of John's presence in New York was that, acting under orders from Mr. Scobell, he had come to try and bring her back. She shuddered as she conjured up the scene that must have taken place if Pugsy had not mentioned his name and she had gone on into the inner room. In itself the thought that, after what she had said that morning on the island, after she had forced on him, stripping it of the utmost rag of disguise, the realization of how his position appeared to her, he should have come, under orders to bring her back, was well-nigh unendurable. But to have met him, to have seen the man she loved plunging still deeper into shame, would have been pain beyond bearing." better a thousand times than that this panic flight into the iron wilderness of new york it was cool and soothing in the park the roar of the city was hushed it was pleasant to sit there and watch the squirrels playing on the green slopes or scampering up into the branches through which one could see the gleam of water her thoughts became less chaotic the peace of the summer afternoon stole upon her it did not take her long to make up her mind that the door of peaceful moments was closed to her. John, not finding her, might go away, but he would return. Reluctantly she abandoned the paper. Her heart was heavy when she had formed the decision. She had been as happy at peaceful moments as it was possible for her to be now. 
she would miss smith and the leisurely work and the feeling of being one of a team working in a good cause and that brought broster street back to her mind and she thought of the children no she could not abandon them she had started the tenement articles and she would go on with them but she must do it without ever venturing into the dangerous neighborhood of the office a squirrel ran up and sat begging for a nut betty searched in the grass in the hope of finding one but came upon nothing but shells the squirrel bounded away with a disdainful flick of the tail betty laughed you think of nothing but food you ought to be ashamed to be so greedy and then it came to her suddenly that it was no trifle this same problem of food the warm green park seemed to grow chill and gray once again she must deal with life's material side her case was at the same time better and worse than it had been on that other occasion when she had faced the future in the french train better because then new york had been to her something vague and terrifying while now it was her city worse because she could no longer seek help from mrs oakley that mrs oakley had given john the information which had enabled him to discover her hiding-place betty felt certain by what other possible means could he have found it why mrs oakley whom she had considered an ally should have done so she did not know she attributed it to a change of mind a reconsideration of the case when uninfluenced by sentiment and yet it seemed strange perhaps john had gone to her and the sight of him had won the old lady over to his side it might be so at any rate it meant that the cottage on staten island like the office of peaceful moments was closed to her she must look elsewhere for help or trust entirely to herself she sat on thinking with grave troubled eyes while the shadows lengthened and the birds rustled deeply in the branches overhead among the good qualities none too numerous of mr bat jarvis of groom street in the bowery early rising was not included it was his habit to retire to rest at an advanced hour and to balance accounts by lying abed on the following morning this idiosyncrasy of his was well known in the neighborhood and respected and it was generally held to be both bad taste and unsafe to visit bat's shop until near the fashionable hour for luncheon when the great one shirt-sleeved and smoking a short pipe would appear in the doorway looking out upon the world and giving it to understand that he was now open to be approached by deserving acquaintances when therefore at ten o'clock in the morning his slumbers were cut short by a sharp rapping at the front door his first impression was that he had been dreaming when after a brief interval the noise was resumed he rose in his might and knuckling the sleep from his eyes went down tight-lipped to interview this person he had got as far as a preliminary say when speech was wiped from his lips as with a sponge and he stood gaping and ashamed for the murderer of sleep an untimely knocker on front doors was betty mr jarvis had not forgotten betty his meeting with her at the office of peaceful moments had marked an epoch in his life never before had any one quite like her crossed his path and at that moment romance had come to him his was essentially a respectful admiration he was content indeed he preferred to worship from afar of his own initiative he would never have met her again 
in her presence with those gray eyes of hers looking at him tremors ran down his spine and his conscience usually a battered and downtrodden wreck became fiercely aggressive she filled him with novel emotions and whether these were pleasant or painful was more than he could say he had not the gift of analysis where his feelings were concerned to himself he put it broadly that she made him feel like a nickel with a hole in it but that was not entirely satisfactory there were other and pleasanter emotions mixed in with this humility the thought of her made him feel for instance vaguely chivalrous he wanted to do risky and useful things for her thus if any fresh guy should endeavor to get gay with her it would he felt be a privilege to fix that same guy if she should be in bad he would be more than ready to get busy on her behalf but he had never expected to meet her again certainly not on his own doorstep at ten in the morning to bat ten in the morning was included with the small hours betty smiled at him a little anxiously she had no suspicion that she played star to mr jarvis moth in the latter's life and as she eyed him standing there on the doorstep her excuse for coming to him began to seem terribly flimsy not being aware that he was in reality a tough bayard keenly desirous of obeying her lightest word she had staked her all on the chance of his remembering the cat episode and being grateful on account of it and in the cold light of morning this idea born in the watches of the night when things tend to 